They may sound nuts, but so do the Wright brothers. Now, here's Flieger and Briggs. Yes, sir. After a uh, what feels like a month off, but it was only a week. Welcome back into It's Just Sports here on the 12 Ounce Sports Network. Check out everything 12 Ounce has to offer over at 12OunceSportsNetwork.com, at 12OZ Sports on the tweeters. And, of course, as always, you can follow your boys at Asylum Football on Twitter. It's Just Sports, 123 at gmail.com. And you can find all the show archives over at AsylumFantasySports.com. Joined always by my especially loud colleague today as he joins us from uh, his new home of Chaz. We're on assignment in Chaz over there near Seattle at the uh, the, the uh, border of Seattle and Chaz. Mr. Rick Briggs, how's it going today? I believe it's called Chop now. Oh, they changed the name already? <laughs> yeah, they changed the name on us, so... Uh, but we are Flieger and Briggs, and um, you heard my esteemed colleague, Mr. Flieger, over there with It's it's Just Sports. Welcome into another edition. And, Rick, you know, it would be nice if we could actually be kind of joyous coming into this show. But, you know, it's been kind of a rough week, really. Yeah, yeah, t- more more terrible. 2020 can just never stop kissing my ass. That's what I've decided, first of all. But of course, uh, if you've been a longtime listener of ours, if you've been a, in any way involved in fantasy football Twitter, fantasy football podcast, you are well aware of uh, Mr. Dave Cherney, and uh, unfortunately great friend of ours, great friend of the show, and uh, he passed away last week. Just, just terrible, terrible news. I haven't been able to shake this one off yet rick yeah i haven't either rick it's, it's been terrible and like like you said any of the listeners out there that have been you know listening to fantasy football when playing fantasy football you listen to fantasy football podcasts look we got into this business about oh god about 11 years ago now with our, our the asylum fantasy football show way back when and I tell you what, this is a long reach on it because he's part of the old gang, Rick. And I mean, I saw um, tweets from Mike Clay from CBS, Jeff Radcliffe, you know, from Pro Football Focus and, you know, Russell Baxter, you know, from the NFL guru and so forth. I mean, this guy was well known. And, you know, just on a personal note, what was it? It must have been about our third, maybe fourth podcast way back whenever. We didn't even know anybody was listening. And he actually got a hold of us via Twitter and was talking about the podcast and wanted to be a guest. And, you know, we just talking different ideas and schemes and everything. And he just turned out to be just, I mean, such a kind, giving guy. You know, for, yeah, he didn't know us from Adam, but we turned out to be great friends. And, you know, it, it like you said, I mean, I, it, it's a hard one to shake right now. Yeah. And it's the, the one thing, two things consistently when, when this awful news came out, the two things you saw over and over again on social media or to anyone you talk to is number one, everybody's relationship with Dave began the way you just described ours with him. He would just go on there, a new show, a new website, a new whatever would pop up. He would check it out and instantly reach out, (laughs) instantly reach out and make that connection. This is so foreign to me. I am so subhuman in so many ways, and that's one of them. And the other one is kind of everybody's first reaction when this news came out. I don't know if you noticed this Rick on but when it kind of broke on Twitter I'm doing the air quotes thing but but it really did for the small circle that we run in on, on our Twitter page and every single person almost to a man or woman you know obviously said oh my this is awful he had just reached out to me two weeks ago a month ago right. six weeks ago just to see how I was doing and I, 25 people must have said that Rick and he did it to us I know you had been talking back and forth with him just several weeks ago just the kind of guy he was and again I'm always amazed by people like you're kind of like that in a way I that is so far outside of anything I do I'm always amazed at people who do that type of thing you know humans i guess is what i'm saying 
Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like the old, the, the air quotes here, the old gang. There's been a lot of people from a small circle that, you know, went in different directions, you know, the like us, Dave Cherney, uh, Dennis Farrell DM'd us. Um, we remember him. He catch him out of Detroit with wrestling podcasts now, but he was a fantasy football guy. And he DM'd us. Jason Fearman from Route 4 Sports, we've known for 10 years. Bob Lung, um, an, another one from Big Guy Sports. You know, and I already mentioned, you know, Mike Clay and some of these other guys. We all knew each other way back when. And Liz Loza from Yahoo Sports is another one. Everybody had the same, just like you said, reaction and comments nothing but positive, nothing but good things to say. And he was just that kind of guy. He helped people out, expected nothing in return and kept the contact up. Like you said, he would just periodically, you'd get a call or a DM or something like that from him. And Hey, you want to come on our show or, Hey, we're thinking about this type of project. What do you think of it? Or this, that, and the other. It was just his, his wheels were always turning, and he was always looking to help someone. Yeah, and just just way too young for, for this nonsense. And uh, I, I don't know. I have a hard time with it. What I think we liked most about him was he had the – sort of the demented sense of humor we did a little bit and so oh, we definitely we, we kind of clicked on that spent a lot of years harassing him as penguin fans as he was unfortunately for a long time a capitals fan i was i was going back and i wanted to pull pull an old clip or two for for this show today to put out there and i, I came across a lot of them where it was mainly just 40 minutes of us bashing him for the <laughs> washington capitals falling short and so i'm glad i'm really glad and you know we failed there we never had him back on to congratulate him when the capitals finally won i can now say i'm as i look back on it, i'm legitimately glad he got that stanley cup for the washington capitals because uh we were merciless with that from from what i listened to but i, I did pull this one clip rick and i'm not sure if you're going to be able to hear it with the setup but you'll remember it it's way back on the asylum fantasy shows 200th episode we kind of brought on our old friends and the folks that helped us out along the way and and in this clip of course we had Dave on and in this clip Dave describes how he'd been in a a relationship he wasn't married I don't believe at least at the time been in the relationship for 27 years and it was on the verge of breaking up because his girlfriend why I think it was his girlfriend I don't think he was married at least at that time had started listening to the show and in fact was insisting upon listening to our show with him because it wasn't just all fantasy football it was all our nonsense and she found it humorous and essentially him blaming us for the impending (laughs) end of his relationship so Rick I'm going to play that it's only about a minute and a half here and then we can we can keep going please do you have a moment for me because in all the joy that you've given me I actually do have a personal I'm going to say it's a bone to pick with you but there's something that really stands out that I've never told you before and actually this just just happened recently so if you have just a moment for me absolutely of course hey well I try not to get personal on Twitter uh, but I am going to show a little insight about me and my personal life a little bit and it may not have a happy ending but but here goes i mean i've dated the same woman for over 20 years and not once i mind you not once was she ever interested in anything fantasy football related nothing you know i played before i knew her before we had met but to her it's like let her play with his little friends they're harmless they're <laughs> you know they're rejects you know he'll get it out of his system right. as he'll long as it's not on her time all was well all until about six weeks ago when she accidentally overheard me listening to one of your podcasts and one of your outrageous bits. And now it has become pretty much mandatory that now not only does she have to listen to your podcast, but let's kick it up a level. She's starting to get interested in, yes, fantasy football. Oh, no. So with that, yes. So with that, I have to tell you, if this behavior continues, (laughs) the asylum will be held fully responsible for the end of my 20-plus year relationship. 
and you will be able to then add homewrecking to your list of already infamous accomplishments with that. That's the end of my rant. Well, well, let's see. Now we can not only have we can't feed the homeless, we're actually making people homeless. This is great. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I feel bad. I understand real estate down there. You found some real uh, inexpensive, recently inexpensive real estate down in Daytona, so if you can send me those listings, I'd appreciate it. (laughs) All right, so there he is. Damn, man, I wish we could talk to him one more time, man. We had fun. Oh, I tell you, it, it, the ironic part about it is it was back, oh, maybe a month or two ago, we were talking about this COVID thing, and once things started getting cranked up, we were going to have to be guests on each other's show again. And, you know, I mean, it, it's just it's still surreal, even though it's been a week. And I just, I'm I'm like you, I just don't really know how to process this. And I mean, you know, for all you people that really didn't know who he was, I'm sorry, you can go back and listen to some of his podcasts, you know, the the guest spots on our show. But, um, you know, it's it's a great loss for a lot of people. And, you know, man, rest in peace, brother. Yeah, no doubt about it, man, until we see you again. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on. I, I don't know. There's really nothing happier to go to, unfortunately, with the uh, with the current state of the world. So so let's go from that to just the utter embarrassment, absurdity, ridiculousness of Major League Baseball trying to get off the ground. So since I've prepped for the show a couple hours ago, now there appears to be some headway being made between Rob Manfred and Tony Clark and the Players Union towards a 60-game season with the fully prorated salaries. And I'm not even going to get into it because it's going to change three more times by the time anybody listening on the podcast and not live here on 12-Ounce Sports hears this. But 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 this thing, Rick, it's just – it's got to go away, right? Either they, – they should be playing baseball right now or at a minimum should be getting ready. And what this country did need – I know you're no great fan of Major League Baseball. In fact, you, you seem to tend more to despise it. And, and you've, you've given your reasons. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. I've been surprised how little I've missed it at this point, but how – how good it would have been, how – I don't want to be Pollyannish about this, but how healing it would have been for the country to get this thing rolling on July 4th, right? All right, now we're kind of on the way back. And they just can't get this thing together, and it, it, it's maddening. It's it, it, absolutely infuriating to me. Well, that's exactly what it is, Rick. It is infuriating, and, you know, I, I take to – I take to heart what you said, how little you've missed it. Now, I, I realize that I don't miss it a whole lot because, really, I I've, was soured on baseball from the 94 strike through the steroid era, and I've never really gotten on board, really, until about the Nationals taking the title it, it is when it really started a little bit getting interesting to me again. And now here we go again, but I have a feeling – and I may be totally wrong, but if they ever come to an agreement with a 60 or a 78-game season, whatever the case may be, it's going to come down to nobody really gives a damn about baseball till the playoffs start anyway. Right, yeah. And, I, I mean, sure, you have your baseball fans out there that, boy, I wish baseball was going. I like to go on a June day when it's sunny and take the kids and, and, and so forth. But when it gets really right down to it, I'm a standings watcher. I'll pay attention to the standings. I'm not going to sit and watch baseball. Maybe I'll put one on the radio if I'm having a cookout and drinking a few beers with some people just for some background noise. But really, until we get to about September, I'm really uninterested. Then the playoffs start, and in the World Series, hey, that's cool. But you give me a 78-game season, I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the first problem. I mean, for a while we were looking at that. You know, they had that previously negotiated, what was it, 50-game schedule or 48- or 50-game schedule that Manfred could put in place, right, with that first pay deal they came up with at the beginning of the season. 
what when COVID was just getting started and, you know, Manfred was claiming he was trying to work with the players to do something better. And finally the players said, you know, all right, you know, we're not even negotiating anymore. Whatever that deal is we already agreed to, that's the one we're going to do that short season. You just tell us when and where to be there. Max Scherzer keeps tweeting that every chance he gets. Just tell us when and where and we'll be there. Right. Called his bluff and Manfred completely backed out of it. You remember this time yesterday he was saying, oh, I don't even think there's going to be a season. So they called his bluff yep. and he went running. That's the, I think that's the most frustrating part of this story for me, Rick, is I, I'm a simple-minded type of person. I, th- I know this comes as a surprise to most of the listeners, but Rick won't be shocked. I'm very simple-minded. I, I kind of like wrestling, right, in the old days where there was a definitive good guy and a definitive bad guy. That's why I can't watch wrestling anymore. You can't tell it, all the anti-heroes. I'm not smart enough to do that. There is no good guy or bad guy in this situation. They're all bad guys. Right? The, the owners crying poor. Multi-billionaires crying poor. We can't play too many games or enough games. We can't take the financial hit. We need you players to take the hit. You know, and the, the loser, the charlatan, the jackass who owns our team in Pittsburgh, he's the loudest voice saying, yeah, we, we can't even play the season. He wants the season canceled. That, that guy, they need to run him out of town on a rail, but he won't go away. So the owners look awful. The As I mentioned with Manfred, he looks completely incompetent. He put this deal together. He tried to play hardball with the players. They called his bluff, and he just crawled back under the table and put his thumb in his mouth as quick as he possibly could. He didn't even entertain it. And then the players, there's just no negotiating with the players whatsoever, right? They they, they won't give on anything. They they won't give back a penny. They won't recognize that, yes, I, I grant you what the owners initially asked them to give back, especially on the upper end of that pay scale was absurd and insulting, and I get that. But they're not willing to give back anything. Nobody's willing to give. And, look, I'm not getting in anybody's pocket. They shouldn't have to do this for free. The owner shouldn't have to do this for free. But with everything going on in the world and in a situation where baseball's been in decline, and I don't care what anybody tells you, baseball's been in decline, this would be just the type of PR thing. Think if they were playing baseball right now and they were the only thing going on. And even if all this crap went on, if any of them had the couth to do this in the background that we didn't all see it, think of what that could have done for the game of baseball. But what they did was confirm every bad feeling guys like you come still angry about 1994 every all that bad taste still in their mouth and they're showing it to everyone even if they come back i'm still pissed you you know what i mean i'll probably watch but i'm still gonna be mad and and it's actually worse rick because the strike in 1994 was actually a labor dispute but right now like what you said the players will give absolutely nothing the owners are giving nothing and it's totally it's ridiculous and it's petty right now it should be and look i got into a little tweet argument with was a you know a local sports writer from pittsburgh you know the other day there shouldn't be any owners if there's any profit what a hundred percent of the revenue should go to the players well somebody's got to own these damn things I saw I mean, that back and forth. I thought he was screwing with you. How is there no owner? That doesn't make sense. Well, and then some other guy come in, well, you know, the Packers don't really have an owner. But, you know, there should be an appointed GM. Which, but still, somebody has to... Appointed by whom? Exactly. I mean, th- this just doesn't make any sense to me. And, yes, there's owners. And, and these owners are billionaires that have made their money in business by making a profit. And I understand that they want to make a profit, but on the player side of the thing, if you play, for example, 82 or, you know, 81 games in a season, you get paid 50% of what we agreed to the year before or your, the contract, whatever. Simple as that. If the owners lose more than that because of fans in the stands, too bad. But, you know, the owners don't want to give up any, you know, this lost revenue, but yet the players actually want more. And it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just, you know, one thing that, that's been in everything going on in 2020 with the 
with the COVID and then all the all the other unrest going on. Everything everybody does, right, is bad optics. I've ranted about that on these airwaves before. So I really hate to go to that. But, man, this is the perfect example of it, right? These optics are just horrible. Look, you have a chance to get in some type of season. You, look, this type of fighting should go on, but it's got to go on in the background. They have been adjudicating this thing in the media the whole time and at a time where you could just grab the sports world by the throat look at what the nfl draft was rick this was basically a zoom meeting on espn it captivated the country for three straight days imagine if you could get some people are watching korean yeah. baseball people are watching something called the bundesliga i keep reading about. people oh, will watch this and they can't get their crap together Look at the Charles Schwab last week right. at Colonial. I mean, just I mean that was that was the sporting event, and it, you know it dominated television. I I know. I mean, these teams. I would probably sit down and even if it is a Dodger Giant game, I would probably watch right. it because there's nothing else on. Yeah, it's real good for this, kind of what I've been doing with NASCAR. I kind of get it excited at the beginning, and I heard it on. I watch it. Look, I'm not hanging on every lap and on every pit stop, but I got it on in the background like I would with other sports. year. I mean, they just had a chance, and they're just – pissing it away and what gets me did you see that i don't don't remember who put that number out did you see the age rick of the average mlb fan did you see that was that came and it was in the news over the weekend i did not see that that age is the average age of a major league baseball fan is up to 57 years old 57 years old that does not – I'm not a marketing guide, but that does not bode well for the future of your organization. And when you had a chance to get a captive audience, right, What what's a more captive audience than everything going on? A lot, millions of people still either forced to stay in their homes or not wanting to leave their homes – you could get this product out there. Nobody, the owners, the players, nobody is willing to look at the long term of this sport and of this game. They're more worried about who's going to win the short-term peeing contest right now. And it, they're in trouble. Baseball is in real trouble. I think it is, too. I mean, especially when football's right around the corner, hockey and basketball are getting ready to, to get started and try to get things completed Nobody's really going to care a whole lot. I mean, they're talking about right now, oh, maybe we'll get the spring training by whenever. I don't know, pick a date, you know, June 29th. I don't know. Well, then what happens after spring training? Then you have this season. I don't know where they're going to be playing some of these games because they're going to be playing into December by the looks of it. And I don't know. Nobody's really going to care a whole lot by november december of this year yeah i mean what what they're talking about now what's supposedly getting close and i don't know heck while we're talking it might be official but i've just been burnt too many times on this is 60 games wrapped up by september 27th but then expanded playoffs so there's going to be 16 playoff teams going in there but problem is already like anytime there's 16 playoff teams in baseball yeah but anytime there's any glimmer of hope, of course, Fauci popped his head up out of the wood- woodwork today and said he wouldn't advise playing any games into October. So now that's got they, they need to put him in a sack and hide him until <laughs> it, until one of these seasons starts. He's probably right, but can't we just have an hour of fun there, Doc? Please just just put him in a bunker until one of these leagues starts, and, and then we'll worry about it. So. I, I don't know. Here's the problem. You talk about 94, and there, there was a really cool documentary, a 30 for 30 rig. If you didn't see it, make sure you watch it. It's called Long Gone Summer. It was about that 98 season, that home run battle with McGuire and Sosa. And really, that's what's credited with. you. I remember how bad baseball was in the tank after 94, and that 98 season kind of revved it up. I don't see a 98 coming, Rick. I don't what's around the corner now in this modern era of baseball where it's just strikeouts and home runs and younger folks don't want to watch. I don't see anything coming to revive this image if they don't find a way to do it on their own now. I agree 100%. And, and Rick, I just want to warn you right now, in about 14 minutes 
and there's no way that I can stop it or reschedule it. My computer has told me it's going to restart. So if you lose me, you'll know why. <laughs> and I mean, and there, I, I can't do anything about it. I, I just have no clue. It was either close or restart at this second. So I closed it out. And um, you'll probably lose me with about 15 minutes to go in the show, and I may have to rejoin you later. Oh, but yeah. this is It's Just Sports. We're Flieger and Briggs. You're listening to us on 12 Ounce Sports. And 12 Ounce Sports is your home for the best live talk shows and sports broadcasts. You know you can catch our show and all the others on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. But now you can also watch live on Zingo TV. Zingo TV has added 12-ounce sports to their long list of channels. And if you're on a smart TV, just download the app, flip the channel 761 to catch all the live 12-ounce sports programming, programming, excuse me, plus the replays. All you got to do is download Zingo TV on, a, on your smartphone and use the promo code 12-ounce. That is 12-O-T-Z. Or OZ, excuse me, one two OZ. I don't want to get anybody confused when signing up, and it's that simple, and it's free. And you can watch all the replays. You can watch all the live shows on Zingo TV. Uh, get on that. We, we got to find a way, Rick, to get our ugly mugs on the TV. We're we're, we're going to get you back in studio here, and we're going to start figuring that out. Probably next next week, I'm assuming. Yeah, good. Let's do it. So before we move off ba- off of baseball, so watching that thirty for thirty about that '98 season, man, it took me back into just how much fun that was. I was kind of in the prime age for that. Yeah, I wasn't embittered. I didn't understand the labor dispute of '94. Or anything like that and, and I'm watching that and of course at the end they talk about how McGuire's admitted to using steroids Sammy Sosa admitted to using steroids they mentioned Barry Bonds and Palmero and all those other guys and as I'm watching that I kind of had an epiphany and I don't know if it's in the context of everything going on in the world what what all of it is I watched that and decided you know what I do not give an F about these about steroids and about anything being tainted or anything being awful. I've decided that was so much fun. That was so cool. Barry Bonds was so great, steroids or not. I've come around 180 degrees to I've decided, Rick, I don't care. It means nothing to me. And Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, all of them, they should all be in the Hall of Fame right now. And I'm not sure we've ever discussed, Rick, with you where you fall on all that. I'll tell you exactly where I fall, Rick. I do have an issue with them when I start comparing like a Bonds and so forth to your Willie Mazes and your Babe Bruce and your Hank Aarons. But since the strike of 94, the Royd era saved baseball. Right. Pure and simple. Baseball turned a blind eye to it. And now all of a sudden they're standing on their righteous soapbox saying, oh, wow, the the steroid era, we're not going to let them in? Baloney. Yeah, you let them in. You let them use the steroids. You let them save your ass when you were sinking. And to me, is Mark McGuire as good a hitter as, say, Ernie Banks? Probably not. But be it that as it may... They turned a blind eye to the steroids, and these enormous numbers that resulted from it saved baseball. It got you as a young kid hooked on baseball, hooked on the home runs, hooked on the RBIs and so forth. So don't get on some soapbox and preach to me your moral platitudes on why they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame when you know damn well that they saved your ass. Right. And, and I kind of, that's what, and it seems odd for, but for the first time in, in watching that and reflecting on it afterwards, it dawned on me, we kind of went back retroactively there, there was no testing for it, or if there was, they weren't doing about it. Everybody they talked to, you know, again, this movie had a slant, I'm sure, but talking to McGuire, talking to Sosa, talking to the media folks they were talking to, everybody said, 
it wasn't necessarily illegal then. And so then we went back and applied this standard. Now, this is brought on by Barry Bonds. That's why he's kind of the most interesting case, right? Because at that point, the testing got stiffer and Bonds was still doing it theoretically. So he made out A-Rod and, and the big names that came after that. But when you look at McGuire and Sosa, nobody cared. They didn't – that one, one takeaway, and it's hard in an interview, I understand – my takeaway from both of them, they both said, you know, that I genuinely didn't think anything of it. Everybody else was doing it. I was doing it to recover from injuries. There was no specific rule again. I didn't think, no, I was breaking any rule. I didn't think it was any big deal. I believed them both. They both seemed completely sincere to me. And the Hall of Fame as much, I don't care because, again, the gatekeepers of that are the old stodgy, you know, hot dogs should still cost a nickel and tickets should still be 75. Those people, as those guys go away, you're going to see these guys starting to get in. But they talked about, I didn't know this, Rick. Did you know Sammy Sosa is still not welcome at Wrigley Field? He took that joke of a franchise and, and brought them to, I guess the Cubs are always in the national spotlight. But what he did for that organization took them to the playoffs that year. You don't welcome Sammy Sosa in your building? No, come on. What are, you, what are we doing with this? This is junk. Yeah, it really is. And I... Look, Mark McGuire was a legit power hitter. Right. Before the, the steroid. Sammy Sosa was not. I mean, I understand Sammy, you know, Sammy Sosa was like an anomaly in this whole scheme of the steroid thing. And, but to not welcome him, and it, I don't know, and Sammy doesn't seem to be the most personable guy in the world either. But maybe that's because of some of the treatment he's gotten since that. I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really expound any more than what I said. You, it, They saved baseball. Baseball turned a blind eye to them. Put them in. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, and I know, you know, they'll say, well, this isn't the same as Pete Rose's gambling and, you know, et cetera. You know, if you want to go back to it, Babe Ruth in the Hall of Fame, he was a notorious boozer. Well, when he played baseball, booze was in, they were doing prohibition. That was right. illegal. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't seem to bother anybody then. And, I mean, I'm not saying that he should be taken out. Obviously, he should be in just like these guys. If it was okay then, it's okay now. Right, right. What about Pete Rose, Rick? Oh, put him in. Yeah, I'm he with you. He gambled when he was a manager. It had nothing to do with when he played. And he wasn't throwing baseball games or betting on his team or against his team or whatever when he was playing baseball. Stick him in. The guy's the greatest hitter that I've ever seen. Right. But my thought with him, with the steroid guys, hell, we can go back to Shoeless Joe Jackson. Put them all in. Put it on the plaque that, hey, also there is this, right? But – Put them in, you know, but the Hall of Fame that I, that type of thing I think is going to change going on. But but kind of the league's attitude, and you nailed it. You know these two guys specifically, and I think the the movie did a good job of highlighting that. Baseball was dead, and those two guys saved it. You three guys, Ken Griffey Jr. had it rolling like that until what about early August before he dropped off, and then those two guys just completely saved the game. And now the game just turns their back on them completely, and it's absolutely befuddling to me. The interesting thing about Sosa, I meant to bring that up when we were talking about kind of this shortened season. The other thing that's dumb with this, you know, only playing 50, 60 games when they could get 80 or 90 in. Don't forget, Sammy Sosa hit 30, 30 of those home runs in June. That's the kind of game baseball is. You have seen guys who had all-star seasons have a terrible 50-game stretch, right? 50 games is a slump. That's just yeah, not a no doubt. Look, I know you can't get the full 162 in, but, man, playing 50, 48 or 50, even 60, it's like, oh, my God. It's not not meaningful whatsoever. 
No doubt about it. Well, look, I just got yet another notification. I've got about four minutes left, <laughs> so you're going to have to pad until I get started. You know how long one of those up. takes to restart, Rick? You ain't going to be back. Oh, I'll be back. I, I have all the faith in the world. Trust me. Yeah, I, but you know, while I'm still here, um, you notice that um, Ezekiel Elliott tested positive for COVID nineteen, and now. Apparently, I guess some of the coaches in the NFL are wanting to postpone the start of the NFL season. Be it as it may, it's only three of them, but that's still, what, roughly 10%, about 9 to 10% of the league. And it's not going to take a, but a few more voices if something happens that all of a sudden these, you know, it's going to get loud. Are we going to delay? Blah, blah, blah. I think that's just dangerous. You're going to have a few positive cases. You put them in isolation, keep them away from the other players. Once they test negative, then put them in training camp. Yeah, I would be curious, you know, if if they expanded on that at all or to talk to them. Because I know, and then there were several, they didn't give any names, but several. It was Texans and Cowboys, right, who tested positive. And they'll probably find that across the board. I'm curious. I get what they're saying, but I'm curious as we hear about this second wave, you know, whether or not it happened. I don't know, but that's what the experts seem to think. You know, the second wave comes in November, December. What do you gain in by delaying? Do they want to delay this thing to next spring? I mean, where do you want to delay yeah. this thing to? I mean, if they keep starting seasons later, I mean, when do you go back to normal? Yeah, how because you? Of, you know, we, we kind of hit on that and with the NHL, if they go really late into the season with these playoffs, you can't start normally again in October because it's dangerous for the players. They don't, they just don't have time to recover and get ready for a long season. And then you hit the playoffs again and you go through June. Then you have to start again in, in two or three months. I mean, granted, these guys are athletes and they're young, but they're still human beings. They take a little bit of time to heal. Right, yeah, and it's at some point you have to get back on cycle. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. You know, when when somebody like Zeke, it seemed to be he was asymptomatic, he was feeling fine, he just tested positive, obviously you need to quarantine. You know, it's like everything with this thing, right? It, it just depends. I don't know that delaying anything helps if anything it might make it worse I, although i don't know what's worse them delaying everything and it never getting going or them playing four games in september but what is the what is the purpose of delaying if there's not going to be fans in the stands anyway true true if you think about it if, if they test every player on every roster the the negative tests get to play and practice the positives obviously don't. And if there's no people in the stands, what benefit is it to delay things? True, true. You know, but, you know, I do worry more about, say, that second wave does hit in November. You know, as so many people have said, that's going to be even worse, right? We get this thing going and then just the hard stop comes up, kind of like what happened with the NBA, the NHL seasons, right. the, the conference tournaments. But, so much of this is unpredictable, and that's why I just don't know what delay in anything gains you. I kind of like the NFL's approach is we're going to plan on everything full speed ahead and we'll adjust as we have to as we go. And I, I think that's the way to go. I, I really honestly believe it. So, so Ricky, you, you look at the NBA. Keep your Have your phone handy, Rick. If, if you get knocked off air, I might have a way to get you back on. It'll be very unprofessional as we do it live on the air, but that's what we do. Hey, it's just sports, right? This is what we do. It is. You don't get worked up over it. It's just sports. Yeah, so, so the NBA, I in a July 31st return, talking about going to the bubble <laughs> down in Disney World. Now that kind of coming into question with some players with some concerns, not wanting to be in the bubble, which I fully understand. Other players, you know, saying this would take away from the, the social justice causes that, that so many guys are working on and, and that this isn't the right time for them to be playing games. You know, I, I don't want to get into that side of things. I, I don't have a perspective for it. But but I do have to tell you, I am fully sympathetic of the guy. Oh, I think we have officially lost Rick, so I am going to end that right there. I am fully sympathetic of these guys who do not want to enter that bubble. I mean, they're they're talking. Your family's not allowed in there. 
you're not allowed in, you're, you're not allowed out. This would be a really, really tough time. You know, these are young guys, right? Young guy, newly married, not married at all, kind of running around the town. I'm real sympathetic to these guys and kind of the the problem that would be be uh, part of being in that bubble. So, so that one I fully, fully grasp, and I, I am sympathetic to that. So, I at the end of the day, I think this thing's going to happen. You know, I, I think maybe some guys do sit out. Maybe some guys with families are are unwilling, uh, I, I guess, to enter the bubble, and, and that's fine. I, I get that, and I think there was some, you know, they were allowed some service time exceptions, things like that, where obviously they won't get paid. <clears throat> Excuse me, they won't get paid, but they will have the ability to, you know, to sit out and keep the roster spot. So, you know, I'm good with that. In terms of the, 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 the social justice, the I don't even know what to call it, you know, the, the protest, that work that, that needs to be done, Here's what I had to say about that. Number one, I think having that platform of, you know, looking like possibly, maybe with the exception of hockey, but it's on such a smaller scale, but looking at having that possibility of, uh, you know, being the only game in town because baseball can't get their stuff together. I think having this platform and playing games and using these games and using this exposure to, you know, as a platform for, for your cause, I think helps. I think that's number one, and I think a lot of players are going to realize that. And number two, if Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard are your spokespeople, I, I think you're doing it wrong. I, I really, really do. So uh, I, I think they're going to play there. I, I'm not very concerned about it frankly i i hope i hope i'm not concerned about it anyhow so i'm going to effort rick here so don't don't mind the noise let's see what happens see if we can get him on the phone here i am hey there he is we got him on the phone yeah it's uh wonderful when technology just takes over your life and you have no choice about it all right let me try to get you a little more gain you're a little quiet rick but we can hear you hold on one second All right, we'll make that work, Rick. So moving on, what do we got? We got about 15 minutes left. Let, let's get to the NFL. I believe you had an NFL story, didn't you, Rick? I kind of lost you there for a second, Rick. Uh, yeah, the NFL, well, well, we were talking about, the, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and so forth, and some of the coaches wanted to, uh, you know, postpone the season. I think we covered a little bit of that. And... You know, I, I really don't know how they can, you know, use this. I, I, I don't know. I mean, this, this whole fear thing of the virus is really starting to take over, um, you know, the sanity of the sports world, to be honest with you. I mean, I understand you have to keep people safe. They're already keeping people out of the stands. But if you have a team, let's say – 60 people, and you've tested everybody, they're all negative. Why can't you play? I mean, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I think they're going to have to do things, and it's going to be weird, right? You're going to have to dramatically increase the practice squad. There's a couple of guys on every team are going to get sick, right? This is going to happen in college football. This is going to happen in, this is going to happen in all sports, and they're going to have to go away for two weeks until there's a – unless, you know, by some miracle there's some sort of therapeutic. We know we won't have a vaccine in time for football season. Maybe they discover some type of therapeutic. But otherwise, this is just going to have to happen. You're going to have to be ready. So have enough players, have the correct testing protocol, have some type of program or agreement for players with with pre-existing conditions, with family issue, whatever it is, who don't feel comfortable playing. Let's give them that opportunity as well to, to go ahead and sit out. And otherwise, I think you, you've just got to go forward, and it'll be what it'll be. And, and you kind of have a good plan, and then you adjust and react from there. I agree, and I, I really feel sorry for all of the – stadium workers the stadium vendors and so forth because it's a lot of jobs that are out there and it's a lot of revenue coming into 
the league in other people's pockets. But I really think they need to just relax and figure on, okay, we have a television contract. There's not going to be any fans in these stands. And all we have to concentrate on is the players and the coaching staff. And that, that goes for just about any sport. And let it let it go. I mean, I, I really think that, that it would be completely safe. Yeah, yeah, as safe as it conceivably could be. I agree with that. So, Rick, a couple more NFL stories. I, I always hesitate to go down this road, but, but there's kind of a point I want to make. But Roger Goodell comes out this just just yesterday or the day before and says, you know, he he is really encouraging teams, a team, to sign Colin Kaepernick, kind of in the wake of everything that's going on. And Roger Goodell acknowledges an error in in coming out strongly against kneeling and and so what I'm wondering Rick kind of the discussion I want to have we're not going to get into the cause and everything there there's plenty of that out there for much more knowledgeable people than you or I but but one thing I am curious about or one thing I've been thinking about and I wonder what you think about this is I think Obviously, the first concern would be the distraction, right? Every NFL team, every NFL coach wants to avoid the distraction. I think in terms of right now, if you sign a Colin Kaepernick, there's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of media, but it's going to be more on a positive spin. So I think you take that out. You don't have to worry about the kneeling, right? At week one, at least, everybody's going to kneel. Goodell's going to kneel. The coaches are going to kneel. You can take that out of it. If I still had a hesitation as a team, and here's what I'm wondering what you think about, Rick. Let's not forget Colin Kaepernick. Yes, he was blackballed, all of that. Whatever the reason, he's been out of the league for three years. If I'm an NFL coach and I think, you know what, I'm going to give Colin Kaepernick a shot. I'm going to sign him, and let's assume he's willing to take back up money and everything. I bring him in. He's been out of the league for three years, Rick. What if he stinks? I can't cut him. The, you, you know what's going to happen to me in the media? And from a PR standpoint, if I bring him in in good faith, give him an opportunity, and he doesn't work out, I can't cut him. Or, or it's going to be a nightmare if I do. And I think that is what's going to ultimately, in my opinion, be kind of the uh, hurdle for Colin Kaepernick getting back in the league. This is all assuming he still wants to be in the league. I, I agree with you 100%. This is um... – Look, we've seen guys that have been out of the league come back into the league. You know, Tommy Maddox, Mike Vick, Kurt Warner. But this is a totally different animal. If you're a coach sitting out there looking to get add depth to your quarterback situation or maybe even look for a starter, maybe, that's certainly a top-notch backup, why in the hell wouldn't you look at Cam Newton before you look at Colin Kaepernick? True, true. Um, you know, look, if, if Colin Kaepernick goes in and does a workout and so forth, and he looks to he looks like he can certainly improve your team, by all means, sign him. But you still have to realize that this is a polarizing guy, and he is bound and determined to make his voice heard above everything else, in my opinion. I don't really think that Colin Kaepernick is really worrying about helping a team as he is about having himself be heard. Look, the guy's made millions of dollars since he's been out of the league. Yeah, here's the thing. I think the the voice, what he wants to be heard – is a lot less controversial right now and will be in August and September than it was back in 2017. Maybe it should have been the same way then, probably should have been. But right now, that's less of a controversial thing. I think he's going to be saying the same thing that most of the rest of the league is going to be saying. The problem comes in, quite honestly, like I said, the fact that you bring him in, right? Bring him in in good faith. I think a 50-50 shot, he can't play anymore. 
Because let's not forget, he didn't lose his starting gig because of all this. He's lost his starting gig because he wasn't getting it done. Now he's sat out for three years. You can't get rid of him. You can't cut him. The PR hit would be un- unbelievable. You know, it's going to have to be somewhere like a Seattle like a Pittsburgh, right? Somewhere where the team and the ownership and the coaches have credibility, right? You, you can't, he can't go to Jacksonville. He can't go. I, I don't know what, what team you can't go to the Raiders. It's, it, it's a really tough spot and I get the sentiment. And if now is the right time, but boy, I'm still going to be reticent to do it. If I'm an NFL team for that reason, throw all the other stuff out throw it all out for that reason. I'd be nervous about it. Well, I, I would be nervous about it for all the reasons that you said. And like I said, I mean, he's almost become an entity of himself. Right. Yeah. Not a player on a team, not, you know, a team member, not a starting quarterback, not a backup quarterback. He is Colin Kaepernick, period. And that's all anybody's going to be wanting to hear from him. True. True. They- they don't care if he's any good because they want the media, you know, if you're the media, you want a story, you want to interview this cat and, and see what he's going to say. And yeah, I agree with you. It, it is a very, very slippery slope and a tough situation for any coach. All right. So, and then last thing on the NFL, Rick, let, let's move on for that. Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings, stud running back, a nice little comeback after a year off with an ACL injury. Uh, made it abundantly clear he will not be reporting to camp if and when it comes in in July. Wants a brand new deal. Wants a deal to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. So a deal in excess of the $16 million a year that Christian McCaffrey just got this offseason. So, Rick, this is something from going back to our fantasy days. This is something you could count on every year. One high profile running back doing this. So the question becomes comes is he Ezekiel Elliott or is he Melvin Gordon when you look at Dalvin Cook in this holdout it depends on how malleable he is as far as working a deal because when it gets right down to it can you say Le'Veon Bell he's not going to get more than McCaffrey is um if he is staunch on his target He's going to end up being a Melvin Gordon. He's going to come back just in the nick of time so he doesn't lose his seniority. But I don't think that he's going to be signed. Now, if he's just saying that and waiting for an offer and he's willing to bend a little bit, I think Minnesota will probably come to the table with a fairly generous offer. But more than McCaffrey? Nah, no. No, and and this is where, where where you have to look at it. You know, number one, and I don't want to get you know turn this into our old fantasy show, but I think one big difference with Dalvin Cook is we saw a guy last year in Alexander Madison averaging four and a half yards a carry, ten catches, doing all this on a hundred carries, so limited work, but he looked really good. He he's a capable backup. The the money on that offense right now is invested in Kirk Cousins in that passing game. Look, Ezekiel Elliott kind of held all the cards, right? That entire Cowboys offense, and we talked about it that entire offseason, that entire Cowboys offense is built around Ezekiel Elliott. The entire Carolina Panthers offense is built around Christian McCaffrey. I don't think that's necessarily the case in Minnesota. So Dalvin Cook, look, I get these guys holding out. I I don't know what he's made. I think it's less than $3 million a year or something right now. So for as good as he is, he is desperately underpaid and should want another deal. I worry, to your point, how willing is he to work? Because he's not that $16 million a year guy. I mean, everything he has working against him. Whether you agree with it or not, the 
what running back position has been devalued in the National Football League almost universally except for in Dallas and in Carolina. He has the knee injury, right? He's not that far off of losing an entire season with the knee injury. And I, he's just not the centerpiece of that Vikings offense the way those other two guys are. Could I see him getting that $11 million kind of deal you brought up, Le'Veon Bell? That seems to be the the negotiated middle ground for star running backs, right, Rick, is that short-term $11 million a year deal. Minnesota would probably be willing to do that, but, boy, that would be requiring him to come way down. If he's at 16 now, it take, takes you a long time to get to 11, I think. Yeah, and I – you know, we're talking that kind of money. I mean, you could see um, Minnesota coming up with uh, – and I'm going to try to hook up with you here. Um, the – come up with 11 12 million bucks i think oh we got your record i lose you he gone see rick rick's trying to play with buttons only five minutes to go <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. So we're just going to spend these last five minutes trying to hook up with Rick. That'll be fun, won't it? So let's see if I can find my app here. Oh, here he's calling in. Let's see if we can answer. Do we got you? Oh, it's quiet. It's silent. I can see him, but I can't hear him. Oh, there he is. I think we've got Rick Briggs with five minutes to go. You saved the day, buddy. You're a tech genius. I told you I would make it back, but I, I don't know where I got cut off at. But, you know, you would think if Minnesota would come to the table, you know, and offer 11, 12, maybe even $13 million for somebody like a, a Dalvin Cook. I mean, I think that is very generous. And I look, I mean, $16 million, I think that's off the table. I don't – I just – think that's a pipe dream no and remember all the talk when McCaffrey got that deal how absurd it was for a running back to get 16 mil now with him you had like you said that he is that offense period he's their number one running back and number one wide receiver so it made sense with him right right you know Ezekiel Elliott held all the cards first of all he had a really good relationship with Jerry Jones that means something in Dallas right and that often I guess here's the point right and here's what in and you can't expect a young stud NFL player to say this, but from the outside looking in, if you take Ezekiel Elliott out of the Cowboys' backfield, that offense stinks. If you take Christian McCaffrey out of the Carolinas' backfield, that offense is non-existent. They might as well not even come out of the locker room. If you take Dalvin Cook out of Minnesota's backfield, they're not as good, but I don't think it's that dramatic, Rick. I really don't think it is. And that's where the problem where, kind of like Melvin Gordon last year with Austin Eckler, he just doesn't have any leverage whatsoever. No, I mean, you hit on it. Look, they don't have a um... – digs any longer i understand that but i remember i think it was 2017 with case keenum and latavius murray in the backfield right because delvin cook was injured minnesota was pretty stout on offense and you know with digs gone i i get that is it's a bit of a downgrade but but Thielen was injured last year some so if he's healthy they're they're still in pretty good shape and yeah, I don't think that they're going to be downgraded all that much offensively. Do you ever think, Rick, we only have a couple minutes to go here, so I don't want to start into anything new. Do you ever think things tend to go back and change and change and revert to the norm? Do we ever see a day in the National Football League where the running game becomes as important as it was even in the 90s, certainly probably not the 60s and 70s, but 20 and 30 years ago? Does it ever come back, or does the passing game just keep evolving? Well, I mean, you look at it now, um, we still have those same, uh, I don't know, five or six studly running backs that we talk about. I mean, you go back basically talking about fantasy football, but, you know, 
I don't think it's going to be as important because it's a passing game. They have changed the rules where defense cannot prevent passing like it used to be, you know, quote unquote, in the old days. But it's still going to be an important part of the game. I, the, you know, a team that can run is a team that can pass. True. Very true. And so, yeah, you, you just wonder because you feel bad. These running backs tend to some, often be the best athletes on these teams, and they can't get a whiff. They can't get past that rookie deal because nobody's willing to pay the money. You know, for all the antics of Le'Veon Bell, in theory, in a normal market, he should have been able to get his money without all the knucklehead stuff. I mean, he was a great player and just nothing. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Now he's in obscurity in New York. All right, Rick. Well, oh, go ahead real quick. You got about 20 seconds. Well, that seems, that seems to be the whole problem, Rick, is, is the, the fact of the matter is that running backs are dispensable because there's always a class coming out. And, um, you know, before we go, we got to tell you about my bookie, dot ag sports are coming back and if you want to get in the action mybookie.ag is a place to be they're going to match your deposit up to a thousand bucks when you use a promo code 12 ounce sports when signing up so do that when you go to mybookie.ag use a promo code 12 ounce sports i'm just about absolutely well thanks so much for joining us we will be back next week same time same channel and hopefully without rick restarting his computer check out everything at asylum football on twitter it's just sports one two three at gmail and asylumfantasyfootball.com. until next time we'll see you take care